Welcome to the Forge Nutrition and Fitness Podcast, where we dive into everything fuel and function related to give you the ultimate freedom with your health, lifestyle and goals. Let's get into it. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today we have another episode of the social series and I am joined by the legend who is Paul Dermody. So if you don't know, Paul's going to introduce himself in a second, but Paul is an online trainer, online PT, online coach, Um, a podcast. He's got over a hundred episodes now um, and his podcast is awesome. I've been listening to it for a very, very long time. Um, The thing that I admire most about Paul is how he approaches people's relationships with food um, kind of eating behaviors, habits, and also his kind of no crap myth busting approach to things. Um, I've recently started reading his articles, which are always awesome. Um, and yeah, he's just a, he's a lovely, genuine guy. And I'm really, really pleased that he's with us today. So hello, Paul. Hey man, how are you? It's quite the uh, introduction, Charlie. I appreciate it so much. It's, <laughs> it's, strange, it's strange hearing that about me, but it's still very lovely. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, you're obviously you're in Vietnam currently, right? I am. I have been living here for the last nearly a year. Um, as you can imagine, the current epidemic or pandemic or whatever you call it um, yep. has adjusted the trajectory of my travel plans, so to speak. But yeah, I live in Vietnam now. Um, I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but we'll see. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've seen from your kind of uh, recent Instagram posts and things, um, you were in like proper, you know, proper lockdown. Whereas obviously here we we can still kind of go out a bit more and things, obviously to a degree. But you were in like intense lockdown, right? We were in the apartment for two weeks. We live in a an apartment complex with thirty six floors of apartments, so lots of people. And in Vietnam, there just seemed to be on it when there's a case reported and there was a confirmed case in our building, so they just they just put security in the whole thing and you weren't allowed to go outside the house for two weeks. Well, close to two weeks, um, just under two weeks. So it was quite an intense lockdown. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you just sometimes have to accept things as they mm-hmm. are, not as you wish they were. And um, yeah, the yeah. time kind of went and I'm a little bit more grateful to be able to go outside now. <laughs> but, there, yeah. but there's no distance restrictions. There's only, we just keep a mask on, but there's no distance restrictions. So yeah. overall, okay not too bad so what do you kind of make of this whole kind of lockdown thing because obviously there's been there's been lots of things posted and shared and there's there's one side that's kind of like if you don't come out of this with a new language with your side hustle started then you've wasted time and it wasn't discipline you lacked it was time and all of that hustle grind stuff and then there's the other side of like people are just going to come out of this with a a bit more of an appreciation for going to be able to go see family you know going to the swimming pool, you know, general appreciation. What's your kind of take on it? I think we're all just imperfect people, leading people. I think everybody has their own unique way of trying to deal with the circumstance. I think there's probably nobody on the planet trying to make it worse. Mm. Um, I think not all information is meant for all people. And therefore, information although well-intended can come across a tiny bit patronizing. I think if you hit the wrong person on the wrong day with the wrong post, you can ignite some emotions within them. 
I think there's some merit to the idea of learning a new skill in a lockdown period. I think there's a lot of merit to feeling heavy and anxious if your career or your paycheck or your livelihood or your routine has been um, changed, altered Mm -hmm. for the worse. I think it is important now more than ever, above all else, to almost take a look inside ourselves at our compassion and understanding for others. And I don't mean that in the cheesy, let's accept everybody for as they are. I nearly mean rather than getting triggered by somebody else's philosophy online about you should be productive or you should rest, I think we need to empathize with the fact that we are all just trying to guide each other as best we can. I think most of us are talking to ourselves. I know for sure that if you read any of my Instagram posts, you know, I'm talking about relationships with food, as you alluded to earlier, I'm talking to me. I'm only talking to me and hoping that you come on the journey with me. I'm also very aware that for every, no more than what I said about the not all information being for all people, there'll be 3,000 people that read my post, 2,900 won't give a crap, 900, you know, 90 will read it and think it's decent, six will roll their eyes, and then four will be like, that's very like me. And I'm like, you're the four people that I'm talking to. Yeah. So, so I, I do think it is important to realize we are all very, we're all doing our best to cope with uncertainty in the best way we can. And I, I think adding to more of the noise of, bashing people for their opinion on a given stance in the lockdown is just being the other position of the thing we claim to hate so personally i just yeah. accept that other people's opinion doesn't have to become mine and i also subscribe right now as i always have to you can see something on the internet that you don't agree with and <laughs> you can just move on with your life yeah yeah unfortunately I think there's a lot of people that can't they don't haven't got there yet do you know what i mean <laughs> there's a lot of people that see something and they're like oh no yeah and cool. I think if, if anything triggers, in my opinion, if anything triggers in a reaction um, within us, it's a really useful opportunity now if you want to talk about productivity to, to check out why we're getting so angry and upset by somebody else's stance. What I don't understand is there's a lot of people getting kind of frustrated at the amount of home workouts. Like I, I've, I don't know how I, I guess I have so much time to in the house now on socials. People like, OMG, if I see another home workout or if I see another productivity guru. And then there are other people saying, now we should learn 40 skills. I don't really understand why either of those messages are that triggering. Personally, if you're having a bad time, respect, it's really difficult. I don't really understand why somebody else's uh, belief that maybe now is a good time to do a language or do some tricep dips should bother you so much. Yeah, I, I would think that about any aspect of life. Just, you know, they'll stop putting out their productivity content, but we still have to deal with the fact that our reality has been altered. So mm. I've been saying this to everybody lately, curate your Instagram feed and you won't have a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very good advice. I think I could probably do with doing that as well. <laughs> I think we all need to. I have it done. Yeah. I've said this on every podcast I've been on, and I say it all the time. Lionel Messi and cute puppies. And that is all that comes up on my homepage and on my clients <laughs> on my feed is just clients. Um clients and friends really and footballers. And yeah. it's it's intentional, it's by design. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. So so I guess the first first thing I, I would kind of like you to go into is for anyone who doesn't know you, um, just kind of your story and how you got from, you know, 15, 16 to kind of where you are now, what you're doing, kind of who you work with, just kind of the whole background of, of, of Paul Dermody, really. Cool. I'll try and question. Put your, yeah, I'll try and not put your listeners to sleep. Um, <laughs> so actually on a post I was just working on the other day I was talking about my my goal is to be the influence that I needed when I was 16 when I was 20 when I was 25 and I was 28 
still 30. That's the goal I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be the influence that he needed. I never found someone who talked to me or connected with me on a level by which I needed. I always found a lot of fitness content was very either, here are the rules, don't break them, or <laughs> here's the supplement. Oh, you didn't look like that? It's your fault. I never found anybody <laughs> give me the message that I needed to. Now, I mean, we can complain about things as they are, but I felt I had to work on becoming the person I needed to become for myself. So 16, you know, I developed really strange eating tendencies in my teens. Um, very, very strange. The, I can't, the word is actually lost on me. When you, when you eat to the point you get sick and then you make yourself sick, is it bulimia? I yeah. developed those type of bulimic tendencies when I was young. I didn't, I didn't really tell anybody. Um, I kept it quite secretive. I actually was fine. I went to college, got past it, lived quite a social life. And then I went back and started, not started, I did a couple of photo shoots and uh, did a men's physique competition. And that was when my eating, my relationship with food was at its absolute worst. I would have this ridiculously restrictive diet and then I would have disgusting binges and I felt terrible. So Again, that was because I was listening to fitness-based content as if it was the rules, that it was like, you either do or you don't. That actually stemmed from my whole fitness philosophy now, that if you ask me to describe your philosophy in one sentence, at 4 a.m. and you woke me up, I'd say, oh, if you're not on a diet, you can never be off a diet. If you're not on a plan, you can never be off the plan. And more, more what that is, is almost it's something to meditate upon as to why we think food the thing that nourishes us the most is something we either kind of do or don't do. Um, even just to slightly go on a bit of a tangent, if you were driving through a 50 kilometer zone, you know, you might think, look down at the speedometer and think, oh, it's 56. I better take it down a little bit so I don't get a ticket. That's how I see food. If you were kind of eating a little bit too much, you might take it back down but, or take it a bit more accountable, but you wouldn't just turn the car around, start again and then hope to get further. Yeah. But anyway, I developed quite bad eating tendencies. They really resurfaced again in my mid twenties. Um, and again, no, I just never found the influence that I was looking for. So got quite reflective. I felt then as I started to, after my physique competition, when I was 25, I was entering into the fitness industry knowing that I had disordered tendencies, but really doing my best to relentlessly work on them because I knew that I did not want to do what I think a lot of people do, and that's project their eating tendencies onto their clients. I never wanted to be the eat this not that personal trainer i needed to be what i never got and that was what's up tell me tell me what's going on how's your relationship with food why do you think that where did you get that information from i almost needed to be taught how to think not what to do and i tried to become that for my clients so i spent literally the last few years relentlessly auditing my own actions to make sure that i project fears and, and that kind of stuff onto my own clients so that they could empower themselves with knowledge because nobody actually taught me fundamental principles. Again, like I say, I was only given rules. So I became a one-to-one -one personal trainer in 2015. I was doing it for free um, in my office job. Coincidentally, got talking to some guy in my office and he mentioned he was hoping to lose a bit of weight for his 30th birthday. He, he wanted to buy a normal t-shirt off the rack. Mm -hmm. And I told him I was looking to be a trainer. So at my lunch break, I trained him every maybe three days a week and did his nutrition for him. The dude lost 50 pounds, fitted into his t-shirt for his birthday. So that before and after went on Facebook in and around the same time I was starting my personal training journey. My second client, she lost 60 pounds. And then my third client lost over 100. So as you can imagine, those before and after pictures got me quite a reputation quite quickly in the town I was working in. I also was working under the guidance of who is now one of my best friends, Brian Keane. So that helped shortchain 
short change, wrong recording, that helped shorten a lot of the mistakes that I perhaps would have made. That definitely cut years off my journey, certainly. And it got to the point then after three years, I was doing one-to-one training and I felt, I actually fell in love with the process of helping people and the process of learning and understanding business, not money, business. So when I filled my one-to-one diary completely in 2018, I remember, I remember going, and in my town, the average price for PT was 30 euros, maybe 40 euros. I remember saying, okay, I'm full. I'm going to try my next client at 70 euros an hour. And I was expecting to get no one. So I got three emails, how much for PT? And I said, 70 euros an hour. And all three of them took the session. And I was like, okay, wow, this is, I'm busting my own limitations here. This is incredible. And then I decided shortly after I was going to do the online thing. So I moved to Spain. I felt genuinely speaking that I would not build an online business for myself when one-to-one was going quite well. Um, I needed to put myself into quite an uncomfortable position personally. So I gave all my clients notice, uh, plenty of notice, by the way, I let them all finish up their tenure with me. I stopped taking renewals. I stopped taking new clients. And then I moved to Spain. I moved to Spain, started building my online business. And then eventually I had a bit of a taste for living in the sun and living overseas. And then my girlfriend suggested moving to Vietnam last summer. And I just haven't looked back since. So now I'm an online trainer. 90% of the time I have one-to-one clients here in Vietnam. I have around eight and I podcast for fun and I write for fun and I just happen to love what I do. (laughs) So I'm very, very fortunate in that position. Yeah. Awesome. That's a brilliant summary. Thank you very much. Um, one thing that really got jumped into my head and this kind of what we spoke about before we started recording when you said about <clears throat> you did your um, men's physique competition and that's when your, you know, your, your eat, eating behaviors around food and things were at their worst. As soon as you said that in my head, all I thought was people probably thought you looked the healthiest and the best quote unquote, you know, you looked, you know, you looked how people might admire, you know, uh, what's the word? Not admire, you know, want to look, but your eating habits and tendencies were at their absolute worst. And I just think it's really funny how people's perceptions of something of health, what health looks like is actually, or could, you know, can be actually very, very unhealthy for someone. And it's just a total misalignment between what is in front of you and what is the reality of things. I couldn't agree more. And that did happen. Incidentally, we, you know, you start lifting weights cause you think girls will like you. Um, and I, it, it was all like men who were more uh, appreciative of, shall we say, a good physique at the time. But yeah, man, people would message me or email me saying, you know, looking amazing, crazy looking good. And I, it was at the height of my anxiousness. And I, I have to be honest, I'm not an anxious guy. I have no mental health issues. I'm very happy-go-lucky by nature. I'm a very content guy. But that was definitely the most unhappy I've been in my life. Mm. And I don't, I don't say it by any means to garner any sympathy. I say it because it's actually become my philosophy. If you go chasing, in my opinion, anything, status, money, body, external validation, you're going to feel very hollow when you finally get that. I chased that body at the expense of pretty much every other factor in my life. So mm. I now have... I've, I've taken the lesson. Don't ever put any external validation ahead of your happiness. And now I don't look as good. Now I don't look what you would consider societally as male attractive or whatever. And I'm very comfortable with that. I'm still a fit lad. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm still not in terrible shape. But I was like, no body fat, 5%, you know, jacked. And 
you, it, it commands a different kind of respect when people see you in the gym and people see you training and whatnot. But it was definitely when my relationship with food is at its worst. And it's this, it's the single variable, although you might find this a bit funny to believe. I ended up getting people from slimming clubs and diet companies that had like yo-yoed ballooned, yo-yoed ballooned off the back of a blog I wrote about my experience with that. I called it the fine line between mastery and obsession. And it went viral by my standards at the time. I had a couple of hundred followers on Facebook and that got a, a couple of hundred shares to the best of my knowledge. And there's a couple of thousand comments on it. So you know you're doing okay when that's mm -hmm. happening. And I just remember everybody commenting and messaging me saying, this blog's amazing. This is me in my slimming club. This is me in my slimming club. And if you removed the image of you know, the, the physique guy. It was essentially, I did a really stupid diet. I didn't really think about the consequences. And now I'm more, I have more body fat than I've had in my life. And uh, my relationship with food is worse. So you can imagine how many people were directly able yeah. to relate to that underlying message. Yeah. Um, and it just became my truth, man. Life is so much better. I live in Vietnam now, right? I, I've been on food tours where I've been sitting on the ground with loads of Vietnamese, Israelis, Italians, where I'm eating God knows what off the side of a cart. And it's been some of the most emotionally connecting, fun, uh, I don't want to say challenging moments in my life because challenge wouldn't be the right words, but like it's, it's made me appreciative of other cultures, you know, other ways of life. And I was thinking, imagine if I was justifying, oh no, I can't eat that. Oh, it's not part of my macros, you yeah. know? And it's been such a wonderful lesson to me. A hard one, but food will always be there food is the one thing we need all our lives and we have to master it before it masters us mm. and makes us our its slave um so it's essentially become my whole underlying message it will probably never change the blog i wrote the other day is the same message as the one i wrote in 2015 it's mm. just you don't know whose eyes it's going to land with next thursday yeah yeah no i love that i love that i mean we we briefly spoke about my shoot and stuff and i don't think i spoke about this on the podcast at all um and i've spoken to a couple of friends about it but not not many people at all but obviously, if people are listening to this, who've listened to a few episodes, you're probably listening back when I did my shoot in November time. Um, and the amount of compliments I got, not at the time, funny enough, but from the photos, because obviously the photos look very different to what you look like then and there. Before your fake tan, before you shave your legs, before the lighting comes out, you look very different. Um, gaunt is probably the best word. Um, and yeah, we also we spoke about that a little bit, um, just you and I before, but I haven't spoken about it on the podcast. But my um my uh happiness like you talking about happiness my happiness at that point was pretty much rock bottom but i was so fixated on that goal of you need to have a photo shoot for people to want to be to work with you and you know i was rightly or wrongly i, I was um slightly persuaded down that route but you know that's it's, it's my actions um and at the time i was still up until the photo shoot day i was convinced that when i get to that photo shoot day I'll look the best I've ever looked. I'll feel the best I've ever felt and I'll be happy on the day. And to be fair, it was like, you know, it was an interesting experience and I, I really value it as an experience, but dude, I was so unhappy. Like I hadn't eaten anything I'd wanted to eat in, in weeks. My, one of my best friends from, um, from work um, was moving to Australia and she had a night out and I went out and I didn't drink and I love a beer and I didn't drink. And I drove home about half past 10 whilst everyone went out until the early hours like two weeks before the shoot. Mm -hmm. And then like the day after the shoot, I was like, oh, I missed that night out. I might not see her for another like five years. Oh, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like, and I said to you before we went online, like I, I didn't have a sex drive for like five, six weeks. Um, 
so yeah and then following that my kind of not not really my relationship with food it was more my relationship with my body as soon as i put a pound on to me it looked like i'd put 10 pounds on and as have, you know we've normalized in society eating disordered behavior mm, very much so particularly I, I don't know your opinion but particularly in that in that kind of niche of um, in that very corner of bodybuilding you know photo shoots that kind of that corner of it is very not yeah disordered eating seems to be very very normalized a hundred percent i did the bodybuilding competition um and you know it didn't do wonders for my mental health um and then actually about a year two years after i ended up actually doing another couple of photo shoots a uh, couple with a friend and my relationship with the whole thing was different uh, i really enjoyed it i felt i looked good um I felt I looked, I was really happy with it. And my relationship with the goal was so different. I didn't actually cut, unlike what I did previously, I, um, I did go out for a few beers every now and again. And I had a very pragmatic, flexible approach. And it was really enjoyable. Um, and even then, I was like, cool, enjoyable. Alrighty, no, none of my clients are ever going to care about my narcissistic tendencies. It's time <laughs> to make my, my business completely client-centric. Yeah. And it, I, heard, I used to hear that advice from people. And I used to be a little like, hmm. But honestly, man, since I've, I'm not very tech savvy. So my Instagram pictures are all kind of selfies or pictures of me just in nice surroundings because it's just a lot easier for me. Like if I didn't, if I wasn't living in Vietnam, my pictures would probably just be me taking a picture of the tree or something <laughs> because I'm, I'm just not great with technology. It's not a strength of mine, but my content is very much focused with the underlying message being eating disordered tendencies are never going to be a foundation by which to build a solid fitness identity from guilt yeah. and shame are never going to be solid foundations from which to build a fitness identity from. And it's no coincidence to me that your experience with the photo shoot and my experience with competing are similar because our relationships and the foundation from which we built it upon probably wasn't based on empowerment and happiness and you know, the, the addition of confidence to our lives. It was just like attachment as I would call it. I'm going to be happy when I get there. Yep. eventually you begin to then deposit into a much more sound intelligent identity of this like I, I always tell clients when I'm talking about nutrition and I don't actually have a lot of science behind this so I'm saying this on the record almost at the risk of not being correct and I'm okay with that um, in the sense that this is something I've seen value in my own life and this is something I've discussed in the contents of a one-to-one -one conversation with other clients but when people are like is this healthy I, uh, first thing I'm driven to is like, what do you mean healthy? Where's the line? So like, what do you mean? What do you mean healthy? What do you mean unhealthy? I'm like, okay, cool. So let's, let's think about it this way. Is it covering your nutrient health? Like, is it covering your macros, your calorie balance and your micros? Is there fruits, veg, is there protein, carbs, fats? Is it calorie controlled? Then all of a sudden you think, is it covering your emotional needs? This is your whole diet, by the way, not just one individual meal. Is it covering yeah. your emotional needs? Are you getting that emotional release? Taste, enjoyment, you know satisfaction all this stuff is it covering your social needs your mental health needs are you able to have a few pints without guilt are you able to realize you probably shouldn't have eaten the sixth cookie but it's not the end of the world mm -hmm. so like when when i think diet and i think a healthy diet i think of very and this is all based on intuition it's probably something i need to look into a little bit further it needs to cover yes nutrition for sure baseline actual nutrition whether that's calorie balance or whatever approach you're taking but in my opinion it also needs to cover the kind of the more emotional side of things mental health side of things um the connectivity side of things like great that you're able to count macros out of a lunchbox and sit in a room while all your friends do stuff 
but that doesn't necessarily cover what I consider to be every facet of health. Like yeah. are, are five or six beers on a Saturday night with the lads bad for health? It depends on how you define health. For my emotional, social and mental health, it's a very, very useful thing to do once in a while. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's so multifaceted and I don't have the answer. I'll never have the answer. That's why it's important to start talking to clients. Well, well, how much do you value your social life and what would be give and take for you? And how are you going to manage to merge the two conflicting desires to be disciplined and balanced versus say, fuck it all the time. And it's so yeah. complex when you, it sounds so simple. And then you start working with real humans or real emotions and you know yourself from your own experiences. Mm-hmm. It's so complex. Um, and yeah, that's, that, that's been my experience of, but competing unhealthily and doing a shoot from obsession versus doing it again, mastery from a place of what I consider to be mastery as much as you can have it has taught me. I'm curious to know what you actually think about it. Have you found you're a lot more in control these days? I am happier now than I was then. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, I'm with, with, with a few clients, I'm doing this kind of like a a 12 week, um, kind of like a, you know, 12 week, run up to summer type thing just for some people they want they want to improve their relationship with food they want to lose a bit of weight you know they also want to learn nutrition because that's my big thing is it's not just here's a meal plan i you know in that in that 12 weeks program that i'm doing at the moment there are 12 modules as well so they'll get 12 loom videos of me teaching nutritional principles because they come out of it fingers crossed they come out of it knowing how to you know sustain healthy habits a positive relationship with food as much as any of us can um, and you know, they, they have the control of, of you know, what they need to do. So that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. But yeah, with, you know, with me, I'm going to be doing it with them. And what I found compared now compared to the photo shoot is that I have the same level of knowledge. I have, I still understand the same principles, but it's my emotional attachment to where I want to be because then all of my emotional attachment was on that photo shoot and I gen- I was genuinely convinced that when I had that photo shoot I was going to be extremely happy do you know what I mean I-, I was genuinely convinced that when I had that photo shoot I'd get the pictures and I would be like almost the happiest I'd, I'd been ever ever been um and it just it-, it didn't the thing like you said the things that you sacrifice particularly a relationship with food things you sacrifice to get there are just never ever worth it whereas your question was obviously how are things now compared to now you know, I'm fair enough. I'm, I'm I'm tracking my macros because I am trying to lose a bit of body fat. Um, just I just want to feel a little bit more comfortable with with my shirt off. And that, you know, that's not a attachment of when I when I feel comfortable with my shirt off, I'm going to be my happiest. Like I'm pretty happy along the journey. I'm enjoying my training. I'm eating enough. Things are going well. My relationship with food is great. Like for example, yesterday I was planning to have something for dinner, and then um someone turned around and said, "Oh, I'm going to make toad in the hole with some vegetables. Do you want, do you want toad in the hole?" And November me would have gone, nope, I can't have that. And would have gone and had chicken, broccoli and rice, which I'm still embarrassed to say. Um, whereas now I'm like, yeah, like I won't be able to count the macros in that meal, but I'll be able to enjoy it. I'll be able to sit down with family. Um, and I know it's not going to affect me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, like you say, it's going to bring that, um, that happiness, that, that the, not the mental health, but the, that aspect of the health the happiness side of things, you know, enjoying the food for the experience, the taste, the texture, all of that, rather than this fits my macros hundred percent perfectly. Um, so yeah, now is now I'm in a much better place with kind of my 
again, I don't want to really say relationship with food because it was more my relationship with my body. Um, my big thing was how I looked. So literally, like, like I said, like a week after whatever, I was a few pounds heavier and it genuinely, I swear to God in the mirror, I saw someone who was like 10 pounds heavier genuinely. And, uh, and I, and I'd lost any ab definition I had. And in my head, I was like, Oh my God, like, like I've lost everything. Like what's, what's going on? Um, and it's, it's crazy how it affects you like that. Really, really weird. Yeah. And it, it's crazy when it affects you and then you are, you happen to be a trainer and I always realized, like I swiftly realized, pardon, when I was 25 after, that wasn't the kind of influence I wanted to have on clients. Mm-hmm. That was everything I had worked quite hard in my early 20s to come away from. So to find myself falling back into that rabbit hole, I didn't like it. But after, again, I, like I have spent the last five years doing a lot of very careful self-auditing, just trying to understand how the pieces all link together and how it all connects. And, you know, two people on the exact same calorie controlled diet might interpret that very differently. Um, you know, I had a wonderful lady on my podcast recently. She was my client. And the reason I asked her to be on it was I noticed in her at 20 uh, that she was developing. She had, she came to me with some tendencies that I believed um, people that didn't challenge those tendencies tend to let them ruin their twenties into their thirties, spill into the forties. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in your 50s yo-yo dieting. The amount of emails I've had where someone will tell me something to the effect of, I have been dieting for 30 years and I've lost two pounds. And you know, I've, I've yo-yoed up and down the same two pounds. And, and my heart breaks a little bit because I can't help but feel if people understood the principle and then had a pragmatic influence in their lives, they'd be able to emerge two imperfect things, human interpretation and imperfect science to, to balance into a healthy body again i'm oversimplifying it these are complex issues yeah but but say i have used calorie counting to take people to change their life i have one client who lost 150 pounds i have another client right now who's he's lost 100 he needs to lose 200 pounds he wants to lose 200 pounds he's an incredible man one of the most incredible humans i've met his mental strength is insane his experience of calorie tracking is very useful I then have a 20-year-old lady whose experience of calorie tracking has been less than empowering because of what it has taken at various points. So it's so dependent what two people on a very similar protocol are going to get from their experience that, yes, knowledge is obviously key, but the perspective by which accompanies the knowledge is absolutely everything. Hence why, if you decide you're going to control macros tomorrow, and in my opinion, if you go in with the mentality of, oh, well, I'm not on a plan, so I can't really be off the plan. So if I do go over, it's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've all been walking through town and gone into Starbucks and spent four euro on a coffee we didn't need or four pounds and a, three pounds on a coffee we didn't need. It doesn't mean you sit there throwing money out the window in, in guilt. It just means you kind of go, probably shouldn't spend three euro on a couple of cups of coffee every single day of my life. And I want people to apply the same pragmatism to their food. And I know it sounds so simple and I'm not trying to overly condescend or patronize anyone because I know these, these things are um, deeply personal, but I have found with some simple analogies, especially at the start of a coaching relationship, you can actually switch clients perception towards what matters immediately. If someone kind of goes, you know, you know, you're a personal trainer, as we talk about how many people are trying to sell you this six figure nonsense, be a mm-hmm. six figure trainer in five months without having a clue if you're an idiot or not. <laughs> I feel if, so, if someone comes along and says, actually, mate, you can be a great trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Give it six years and work hard. 
not as sexy, but if somebody changes your perception to that, mm-hmm. it's empowering because you're now gone process focused as opposed to outcome focused. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think uh, you said about analogies. I, I love an analogy. I put something up on my story. Um, I can't. I've got the. I got. I got the background idea for this from someone else's analogy. I can't remember what it was. The original one, but it's basically about just a really simple way to demonstrate because a lot of people they'll they'll sit there and say right again maybe their goals are misaligned or whatever but they'll say i need to lose 15 pounds to be happy okay or, or, or whatever however they've got there they've got a they've put a number on it and that's their goal right um and they say right so first thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna get a gym membership and i'm, I'm gonna go down the gym so they kind of focus on the exercise and they spend hours scrolling for instagram trying to find out which type of burpee variation to do to burn the calories to lose the weight rather than sitting down and thinking about what i'm actually putting into my body right now okay there's 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 an apple a week okay so maybe if i eat two apples a week and some celery that will you know that's going to benefit me do you know what i mean like the smallest tiniest change so my analogy was like you're in a boat and the boat is sinking because there's a hole in the bottom and the water coming in is the calories so your boat's filling up so you, you're eating too many calories and concentrating on which type of, you know, burpee variation to do um, is like having six buckets in front of you of different colors and different sizes with different patterns on and worrying about which bucket to use to get the water out of the boat um, rather than looking at the bottom of the boat and, you know, the plug that's next to you and thinking, Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put on again. I know this is oversimplifying it. Um, I'll put a plug in the boat and I'll stop some of those calories coming in as much as possible and you know i'll start you know i'll at least i won't get in but get myself into a worse situation in terms of health i'll just kind of stay where i am and then i can think about right now there's no more water coming in which kind of bucket do i enjoy using oh i like the color red i'll use the red bucket do you know what i mean i know it's a very simple like you know simplifying things but i used that analogy the other day on my story and got a few messages from it and a few people were kind of saying like it's so true but you just don't think about it because i think a lot of things that we see on social media are more because it's sexy isn't it really it's sexy to look at what workout you're doing and and, you know which which workout gear you need to go and buy rather than or maybe i need to eat three vegetables a day rather than none and maybe i shouldn't be drinking two liters of coke a day and you know i mean For, for, for a lot of people that tiny little swap in their intake is going to drastically improve their health and well maybe not drastically but it will improve their health and lower their body weight and start getting them moving towards that journey um but yeah, in terms of analogies, I'm I'm starting to kind of I'm starting to go down that path a little bit. I think that might be my <laughs> that might be my angle for trying to help people understand some of the main principles. Um, yeah, when when you can simplify yeah. something, um, I heard similar to what you said. I heard Gary Vee say something years ago. Whereas, don't try and fix the fix the sink. Go and fix the well. You know, if you were a plumber, you'd fix the fix the well, not the sink. And I, I ties in with what you're saying. Yeah, I think it is important. Absolutely think it's important. No more than what you're saying about small changes. I actually do think the magic is in the small changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I often encourage encourage people to create a new identity. Let's let's say, for example, immediately you decide I'm an emotional eater, or you know, I'm lazy. These are all things that have been said to me. I'm this, I'm that. I'm actively encouraging people, similar to what I do with myself, to create a new identity by which your target self would like to live by and that's not a black or white perfect or imperfect it's more of a how are you going to deposit little by little into that identity one thing i i always had this kind of weird 
and again, this isn't a poor me story. This is not a poor me story at all. It's just how it was. When I dropped out of college, you know, I was working in office till I was 25. I just kind of had this resignation to the fact I just was kind of stupid. I never really challenged the idea that I might be smarter than I allowed myself to give credit for or that I had been chasing the wrong things. And all of a sudden, in the last particularly 18 months, I've started saying, all right, the, the identity of the man I'm trying to create, free. He's free with his time. He answers to nobody, no one. Um, financially free. Speaks fluently in a second language. Um, runs, a, runs a business on his own terms in an ethical way. Um, in shape, but not like let's ruin his life. You know, the kind of like, oh, he's in shape, but he likes a pint. You can tell by looking at him. Yeah. Um, and I've been depositing small, little by little into that identity. For example, today I had one hour Spanish lesson, you know, my, my, my direct debit savings, just little things like that. You know, I've texted all my, every single client I have, I've already texted today. I'm doing a podcast with you. Um, I've written a post for my daily email blog that goes out every single day. There's going to be nothing that changes tomorrow from any of those actions I've told you. But by depositing into that identity every single day that I can, that I can, obviously not every single day, mm. in two years, my life is going to look extremely different. You know, I might live in Spain with a fluent language on a language that I only semi-speak right now. So it's the same thing, no more than what you said about the Coke, no more than what you said about the vegetables. There's a number of things we could do that if we did today would yield massive returns in one year. But the problem is the returns aren't really that big in the short term. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it, it can be quite difficult to be tempted into doing them. But they do work. It's actually what my client, one of my clients, Steve, lost 100 pounds. And he still says to this day that I said something small, just something silly like, I think he was eating a scone and butter. And I think whether I said it to him or he said, he said it back to me, he basically was like, I used to obsess over scones and not worry about the amount of butter. And there's like pretty much the same calorie in a tiny bit of butter <laughs> as a scone. Um, yeah. and, and I feel that with just those mindset shifts and what they represented, he was able to start constructing a meal plan for himself, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's just so empowering. You know, those little changes. Yeah. I mean, no, no more than anything, I'm going on a quick ramble. But no more than anything, when you want to learn to sprint or when you want to, when you see footballers or sprinters or people doing great things in their particular disciplines or sports, they didn't start on the field. They started because they were curious and interested and built it from there. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. That really reminds me of, I can't remember, you, you might know it's from, I can't remember, who says it? it uh, maybe a podcast or an audio book, I've heard it somewhere. It's about the plane, um, if... I'm terrible with American geography, but it was a plane facing this way is going to land you in this city. But if you, and it was someone genuinely calculated this. If you, do you know, do you know, uh, James James Clear in Atomic Habits? That's the one. Yeah. If you, if you move the nose of a plane, is it like five degrees? It ends up 220 miles away or something like that. Yeah. It's exactly it's, it's exactly the same thing. And what you said about like um, doing the little deposits from I think it must be him as well. It must be the same audio book. I remember I was running when I listened to it. Um, but it, he talks about like do, uh, voting for your personality, doesn't he? Or voting for the person you you, you want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I liked that book. I like I, I got a lot from that book, especially at a time where I was trying to undergo some habit changes myself. I mm. wouldn't say it landed because you need to be in a position to accept the information. It took me a lot yeah. longer than I'd love to admit, but. As well, I wouldn't beat yourself up if you don't internalize little things. I do think sometimes you will adjust when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always knew being financially intelligent was a good skill, and yet I never thought about it until I was in my late 20s. It just it makes no sense when I think about it now. Mm-hmm. But 
now it's something I really value. And it's not because I value because I want money. I don't do anything at all. I just want my freedom. I don't want anybody to ever tell me what to do again in my life. I never want a boss. I never want anything like that. It's just a value I hold. It's very simple. But similarly, you might think, you know, I never want someone to be able to comment on my weight or I never want somebody to be able to offer me pseudoscientific, informa pseudoscientific information again or, you know, offer me unsolicited advice. And the onus is on all of us to make us completely resistant to these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you say, it, you do have to be in the right place. And I think maybe, I don't know, this is just, a, just an idea, but maybe it's because for you to, for, for like let's say me in that book, like see, I resonated with quite a lot and I took quite a lot of it in, but I think that's, for me to be in that position to take on that information it's the same as advice from a coach for you to be in a position where you can really take in that information and actually implement it you need to have had maybe certain past experiences to get you to that place where you're ready to accept it do you know what i mean yeah. and in it's literally it's almost like a just a coincidence of paths crossing and moments yeah. happening and experiences and when you've had when it, everything almost aligns then you're in that range where you can take that and implement it and do you know what i mean it's not, I don't want to say coincidence, but it's almost just everything lining up for you to be ready. Um, and that's, yeah. I think that's probably the same for a lot of people with, with huge transformations, things just fall into place. Um, obviously with a lot of effort um, for most people, but you know, things have to be aligned for you to start taking the action. And I often believe I've heard my friend Brian say this a lot. When the, when the student is ready, the master will appear. <laughs> I've heard him say that. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. I feel there's a certain degree of truth to that. I believe yeah. with all the, useful information I've ever taken on board. Certainly the life-changing stuff wasn't the first time I'd ever heard it. Mm -hmm. um, like you could go into any personal trainer's podcast or any personal trainer's Instagram page. And I guarantee we're all talking about relationships with food and stuff. And we're all probably doing our best. Like I imagine every single trainer is doing their best. There are some scum buckets, obviously, um, but every, most of us are doing our best. And I find that you just don't know what you'll say. That's going to be the words that connect with somebody. Um, you, know, when? you just don't know how yeah when exactly you could say the same message 40 times mate i have been saying for five years all of my personal training career essentially my one underlying message just just don't necessarily adjust the goal you want to hit but please get off the diet get off this mentality that this is something you're on or off i've been saying some variation of that sporadically for five years so like i've often worried that i was becoming repetitive Mm -hmm. and then i'll still get new dms and new followers to this day saying i heard that and all it's doing is reinforcing that all the people who mastered their craft had a very narrow skill set they just had a very well um you know a well thought out strong deep skill set and mm -hmm. i essentially am almost feeling like that's that's what's happening right now i'm finding my my scope becoming narrower and narrower i find the things that i feel i'm know and confident about gets a lot smaller I find myself in this kind of weird dichotomy of the more I learn um, and, and understanding finally the dichotomy of the more I learn, the more stupid that I feel. Uh, I also feel working with more humans has given me this ridiculous realization that I'm, it's not that I'm not as smart as I thought I was, even though I do believe that it's because humans are teaching me a lot about myself, but there's so much for me to learn based on the more people that come into my life, particularly new clients, new ways of dealing with things, new issues, things that I didn't think were things that some people have as barriers and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just so fascinating when you, you hone in and you, sp you could spend your life. I've only been five years. You spend your life focusing on this one skill, your passion. And then you almost have this sudden realization when they go, Whoa, there's so much to learn. Yeah. 
you know, and it can be a bit scary and a bit overwhelming, but actually it's just making me very curious. I love it. I'm so passionate. You know, I'm constantly asking my clients, for example, for feedback so that they can tell me what I'm doing wrong and right. And I don't know, man. It's just since I've started kind of focusing in on that and trying to almost narrow in on my skill set and keeping the same message, it's la- it seems to be landing with the right clients and the right people at the right time. I, uh, we kind of said it before and um, we started recording as well it's the authenticity i think i think that's got a lot of power behind it i think so i love the old philosophy that you you escape competition through authenticity mm. and i love that kind of idea and something that i do feel personally you know i'm i'm the first to hold my hands up and say not bad at that terrible at this should improve here one thing i do not feel is the threat of competition um i think there's enough success for everyone um I very much believe there's enough success for everyone. I think when you speak your truth and your philosophy with the intent to educate and never to belittle or to insult, I think you're going to attract the right people for you. I think a lot of us are afraid of the people that won't like us or accept us. Yeah. Whereas I would rather give my attention to the small subset of society that will trust me both financially, emotionally, and personally with their health, with their fitness, with their body fat goals. And it's just such a more sweeter mindset to be in mm. because the best athletes in the world. How many people do you know that are like, oh, I don't like Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he seems a bit arrogant. I don't think Ronaldo gives a monkeys what anybody <laughs> thinks of him. And it's a it's a mindset worth aspiring to. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's always going to be a strange, uh, you know, a strange balance, a strange line to walk, getting that right. And I don't think any of us ever will. But yeah, I've realised that a lot recently. Even the silly little things like going on the Instagram stories. I was so petrified and i think i started doing it in like october absolutely petrified of doing it and i remember i used to go out because this when i was preparing for the photo shoot i used to go out for walks and i no one knows this i'd record the same thing like hi good morning guys i would record that genuinely like 10 times before i uploaded it i'd be an hour and a half (laughs) that comes with practice man yeah, I'm yeah. hardly a genius. I wouldn't consider myself a whiz in front of the camera. Mate, my, my, I have over 100 podcast episodes. My first, I don't know how many episodes were dreadful. I talked <laughs> over people. I spilled my words. I was so desperate to get the words out. I didn't know what I was saying. It wasn't until I received some constructive criticism from a good friend who was like, you speak too fast and you don't leave enough of a gap between your guests. And I was like, oh, I don't want to accept this information. My ego wanted to be like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. But yeah you get better it's a skill it's like everything you know here we are trying to encourage clients to change habits and to lean into uncertainty and discomfort and then we get the little bit of discomfort it's like no i don't want to do that I yeah. don't want to, i'm scared I'm it's scared. it's all one and the same isn't it it really is yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. go ahead yeah no I was, I was just gonna um i've got a couple of like quick fire things um but <laughs> what, what yeah cool yeah. right so um again um, Paul has no idea what these are. I haven't shared these yet, so this is completely off the cuff. So three things, and I can kind of start to put the pieces together now, three things that if you could implant into your head 10 years ago, so three things that you know now that if you could basically like in the matrix, plug into your head 10 years ago, what would they be? It can be about anything. Most humans have a bad relationship with time, so relax, and everything's going to work out fine. Um don't worry. I know that's a bit trite, but mm-hmm. it would be don't worry. Granted, I wasn't much of a worrier anyway. And um, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and that's fine because that's part of the process. And also 
the, the advice that your 30 yourself, the 30 year old self gives your 20 year old self will seem like you're some wise 30 year old handing it back. You're going to feel equally as stupid at 30 when your 40 year old <laughs> self hands it back as well. So yeah. don't get too ahead of yourself, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're good ones. Um, and then I was thinking, um, what in terms of like, you know, three things similar, three things that you could implant into your clients' heads. And this is a bit of a strange one because obviously we know that it, them experiencing it and learning learning it from for themselves is as important as the lesson. But let's kind of put that to one side. If you could kind of implant three principles, um, particularly for your for your kind of weight loss clients, um, what would those like three principles be? Don't waste your life comparing yourself to somebody else because as trite as this sound, no trite as this might sound, nobody else is going to be better at being you than you. And by not being you and trying to be someone else, you're robbing yourself and indeed the world and that ripple effect of the authenticity of being yourself by trying to emulate someone else who might not even be being their authentic self. So don't rob yourself of that. Don't be afraid to be yourself. And I, I don't mean that as in the immature, I'm not changing for anyone, you know, tough, take me as I am. I mean, you probably will have to learn and grow up and change and discard parts of yourself that you don't need along the way. But there's almost a weird acceptance to that. Be comfortable being who you are. And remember, nobody else will ever be better at being you than you. And you have a unique set of skills and personality traits that you might be overlooking. The second, on a completely different note, is the weighing scale is a useful tool, but if you do not know how to use it, you will drive yourself crazy for about 60 years. Um, <laughs> and there's no point in me even expanding on that because years of training clients has taught me that's like a nine-month conversation that sometimes, uh, I love you all, clients, I do, uh, but you all are driving me crazy. No, you're not. Crazy. <laughs> I'm only messing. I'm only messing. I'm very lucky. I, I was only telling Orla yesterday how blessed I am on my client base. This isn't even important. I'm supposed to be answering a question. <laughs> the third thing would be you have to you have to realize that if you plan on being, you have to love the becoming part. It's it's a process. It isn't an outcome. No matter how much you want to think it is, it is not an outcome. It is a process based journey, and it is a continuous journey of learning. It is something that no matter how much you think one day, it'll just, it'll just click. There's no magic formula for that day of happiness. It's just an ongoing process. They're the three things. Don't rob yourself of being yourself. Cheesy, I know, but I mean it. Don't use the weighing scales unless you actually understand it. And my senses tell me from experience that you don't, and I love you, but you don't. And then the last thing is process, 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 process. Cliche this hell true and if i can get somebody else thinking that today that'd be bloody sweet yeah i'm i'm, I'm sure that there's going to be loads of people who have taken that on board there's a free free really good point i mean I, they're, they're good for me as well i'll take those <laughs> um they're, they're, they're useful and you know i'm speaking to myself man yeah like my my advice is just me speaking to me to be less stupid yeah no 100 i think like you said your 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 tw- th- 20 year old self is going to think you're wise when you when your 30 year old self hands stuff back and then you're 30-year-old self's going to be your wise when you're 40-year-old self. Mate, my 32-year-old yeah. self is going to look back in two years and be like, what the hell were you doing? <laughs> so it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. I, no, I, love, I love that mentality of the process. Yeah. The being... What was it? Sorry, what was it again? You just say it again. The being... I, I just think that if you plan on the being part, you have to love the becoming part. That's it. Yeah. That's good. I might pinch that I if that's think- right with you fire away man i i heard it's in carol dweck's book which i recently read it's becoming is better than being um Hmm. but 
I kind of took Miss Dweck's post and kind of adjusted it to there's nothing wrong with becoming because I think becoming is beautiful or being is beautiful. Being who you want to be is a beautiful experience, but the becoming part is where you're going to learn how to do that. Like my thing is I'm learning Spanish and I had written for a little while, there's no such thing as fluent Spanish, which is a ludicrous statement because there clearly is. What I meant by that is there's no fluency without the 1000 mistakes, awkward conversations, dense incompetence, etc. So the becoming part has to be enjoyed if the being part is to be appreciated. Nice. That's good. I like that. I think That's so. Awesome. That's a good I point. I apply it to my business life too. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that would apply to kind of all, all areas. Nice. Cool. I, th- I think that's a, a really kind of nice place to wrap up. Do you mind if I um, hit you with one more kind of more lighthearted, quick fire thing to wrap, wrap the episode up? Oh, 100%, man. Okay. Do so, it. and you can, you know, you can, you can pick humorous ones. You can pick, you know, interesting ones, any, anything you like. So I've got two wrap up questions. The first one, three things that either <laughs> family, clients, social media followers, anyone, three things that people don't know about you? Oh, good question. When I was five or six, I got hit by a car. I nearly died. I broke my leg and I was in hospital for six months. Uh, When I was 21, I dislocated my shoulder. And it's the only moment in life that I truly mean, if you offered me death with the pain I was going through, I would have taken as a way out of that pain. It was so bad. And the doctors wouldn't relocate it till it was x-rayed. And then they came in and it seemed to take an eternity. And they were like, oh, it turns out you have a dislocated shoulder. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> no, my bone is coming out my body. Uh, so that was brutal. I, there, so one day I would have rather be dead than alive. And that was because my dislocated shoulder was the most brutal. It was the worst day of my life. Bar, nothing will come close. Um, the first one was the, I got hit by a car. And it was the, oh, what, what's another piece of information that no one knows? Um, it's a hard question it's a really tricky question um, oh I don't know I'm firing an absolute blank <laughs> if, I mean, can I've, I come back to this before if I think before you wrap yeah, up and yeah. say goodbye to be fair the first more, two, you? you came out with the first two pretty um, pretty quickly I was impressed with that I was, I was well I've been tempted to write Instagram posts about the getting hit by a car and I've never really been able to word it how I like to word it without sounding, oh, poor me, I got hit by a car. Yeah, so, that's always really hard. You yeah. Social content, it's like, you don't want it to come across like that. But no matter how you word it, you're like, oh, people are going to think it's a sob story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the last one, a bit more, bit more of a common one. You've, you've probably come across this before. If, you, if I sent you on a trip, you can take any mode of transport. Um, where would you go? Um one person, just one person you would take with you. I think I might know the answer to that. Um, and then a book or a film or a CD, something like, you know, some kind of entertainment. Palawan Islands in the Philippines. It is amazing. It's the best place on earth with Orla, my girlfriend Orla. I have to say Orla. No, no she'd, <laughs> she'd be the one. She'd be the one. And for entertainment, probably what. Can I fix? Can I cheat and say my Spotify, my phone, and my Spotify? So then I have, or is it? Yeah, one that's, Spotify? that's. I think. I think now nowadays we've got yeah modern adaptations to the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I probably to be honest, I'd probably take a right now how I feel a podcast by a guy called Naval, uh, very calming. He's a businessman, very rich, but 
almost like a Buddhist philosopher. I love his um, philosophies on life. Incredible podcast. Um, has helped me. Uh, not, I wouldn't say adjust the way I view things. He's almost confirmed to me that you can be successful in life or chase success relative to you, of course, whilst not having your happiness state altered, um, which is really encouraging to me because, you know, mm. it's very like hustle work, hustle work these days where I'm like, no, I kind of want to work, but I also kind of want to lie by the pool. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so. There's always a hard balance. Yeah, no, I'm finding I'm finding that definitely. What, what's his name again? Sorry, Naval N A V A L. Amazing. Awesome. Look him up. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, any any thoughts about that third thing that people don't know about you? Um, the thing is, if you can't come up with a third, we'll have to have you back on for a second appearance just to, just to hear it. Let's do it. Yeah. If you ever want me for a second, I, I love doing it. Um, oh man, I'm, I'm absolutely firing a blank unless it's cool. going to be the most boring thing in the world. No, that's cool. We'll, um, we'll save it for, um, we'll save it oh, for. Oh, I'll go I'll one, one in case it helps someone. I have a folder in my phone of maybe this won't help people that aren't directly working with people. I have a folder in my phone called doubt days and it's basically screenshots of nice things. This sounds so narcissistic. It's not meant to be. It's basically screenshots of nice things that people that I don't know have DM'd me, emailed me, or said to me that I have in a folder for days that I'm uncertain or unsure that I can scroll back on and be like, oh, that's a nice thing to say. Um, you know, oh, 2018, you fixed my relationship with food. You know, and I don't know the person. I've never met them. Mm. So that's nice. Um, I have a folder called Doubt Days. And Dude, two, days really ago, two days ago, I did something very similar. <laughs> oh great yeah i got the yeah, idea yeah. originally i think it's important i got i stole the idea directly from martin mcdonald from martin nutrition um yeah. because he's the one i saw the idea directly from and you know nice to give props where it's due i would never have thought of that it's a good idea you'll mm. benefit from it so much if you've mm. only started it it, it definitely it definitely cheered me up on the day i was having a bit of a rubbish day and yeah just flicking back through dms i, I think I, I i think i screenshotted them all and like cropped them i don't think i put them in a folder yet but yeah, no, good idea. I think that applies to anyone, you know, no matter what you do or who you are. I think having a bit of, you know, it's almost reassurance, isn't it? Without sounding too. It's yeah. more, you know, days that can feel a bit anxious and a bit heavy. You might get trolled online. I haven't been insulted online in quite a while. I've had people disagree with me and I think that's great. I love healthy dialogue. I haven't been insulted on a personal level in about a year. And I remember thinking, Hmm. I remember the moment I got one. And I was like, "Oh, it's so cool! I'm past this now. I don't care. Mm. You know, go. You know, uh, it's shit. It must <laughs> be really crap to have time to do that to somebody else. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. humans leading humans. Maybe you're having a bad day. And I was like, "Oh, Paul, you're moving up on the world. You, you know, you're not phased by this anymore. So it's the folder isn't actually quite as useful to me as much as it once was. But mm. to be honest, I think that also comes from my client base being my client base are honestly wonderful humans I, the, on an individual level on a personal level they're all i'm so blessed to have each and every one of them and i've developed quite good relationships with them so they tell me my positive influence on them they also aren't afraid to constructively criticize me which is when i know they're telling the truth mm. so i have a lot more confidence now based on the fact that i i believe in the work i'm doing with people so that does help to be honest yeah it's that authenticity again isn't it from them and from you and vice versa and everything absolutely nice. absolutely nice. Awesome. Well, just to kind of finish us off then, do you want to give everyone um, a bit of information about where you can be found, you know, social media wise and, and all, all that stuff and your podcast and things? Yeah, it's, it's all Instagram is Paul Dermody PT. Facebook is Paul Dermody. 
incidentally, selfishly, medium is where I would like people to go if they want to get a feel for me. I write some of my client testimonies on medium and it's not because I want people to come work with me. That's not the goal of the articles. The goal is, for example, when I put up my articles on medium, you know, one thing I might write about, um, there's a trainer, my girlfriend's trainer called Scott Abel, who I really, I, I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but I think he's really smart and I have a lot of respect for him. And I, I agree with him on many things and his influence on oral has been incredible. So I'll always love that. Mm-hmm. He has a philosophy that you cannot create the foundation of fitness on guilt. And it's, it's very much in line with mine. It's one of the things that we do agree on. And I kind of write about a lot of my client journeys on specific mistakes or misconceptions, for example. Um, and I think this is really useful. I'm sorry to go back down the rabbit hole here, but I'll, I'll wrap no, it up quickly. That's um, cool. For example, people build a foundation on, from guilt, as I keep saying, but also people will do this kind of thing where it's like, oh, I pressed the absolute fuck it button last night, but don't worry, the scale didn't move, so it's fine. And I'm like, no, that, that thinking is a wrong train of thought because it implies if the opposite happened, you would have failed. None of this ties in with the identity you're trying to create around your fitness mentality. So I kind of write all my medium articles about my clients who have lost, you know, notable weight, 50, 60, 100 plus pounds and talk about their journey, the mistakes they made, what they would have done differently, what they didn't even know before we started working together and kind of how the whole experience culminated. Uh, also the podcast I do, Paul Dermody podcast, it's kind of just basically around my relationship with food and some client business. I used to do a lot of kind of interviews with people, but I lost my enjoyment for interviewing people that I guess that I didn't know closely or work with. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. So I don't do interviews really anymore. It's just more of the documenting my whole process and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, the Paul Dermody podcast, Paul Dermody Medium Articles, Paul Dermody on Instagram. Nice, brilliant. You just saying the fuck it button then I totally, that's like one of my favorite things. One of the first things I heard from you was when you, you, you talk about the fuck it button. We'll, we'll have to do a, a part two, dude, because to kind of go into that and, and maybe it. a bit more specific into habits and behaviors and stuff. Yeah, mate, I really, really enjoy this. I, I love chatting about, I love chatting about this stuff. Yeah. Food, food stuff, fitness identities. I love it. I awesome. feel like no more than yourself, I'm sure. I feel like it's my life's mission. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think what you've obviously what you've done so far is absolutely awesome. Um, Thank you, sir. You know, even even just one of the things you'd like your podcast to take your podcast completely in isolation. Um, you know, that's in itself is awesome. So, yeah, everything you everything you, you, you do and you've done is is pretty cool. So thank you dude it's it's so humbling charlie to hear that it actually is still strange i'm not just saying that. it's still mm. really strange to hear someone saying these things and then realize it's about me uh, yeah it's mad <laughs> but it's just passion like i'm just doing what i love i'm not doing it so anybody tells me i'm pretty and pats me on the head i want to have a little business for myself and do what i love and it's isn't that the best my, way to yep. you know not creating the identity from guilt i'm creating my identity from love and passion pardon the hippie cheesiness but <laughs> <laughs> no it's important stuff that's awesome brilliant cool um yeah so guys we will see paul back at some point in in the future maybe when this is all this uh well pandemic epidemic is uh <laughs> is um over but yeah paul thank you very much for coming on uh huge huge thank you again and um i'll chat to you soon thank you man i loved it